this is deceleration deceleration.news our guest today is armin alex a climate activist and council candidate in corpus christi He's one of four down there running as clean slate candidates, hoping to challenge and correct long-standing industrial abuses on the coast. This is Greg Harmon of Deceleration. Thanks for tuning in. We meet a machine with a movement. So for me, that means we meet a systematic corrupt machine with a people movement. And that's what we're doing here. And I think folks are waking up to this, uh, to the things going on with this over-reliance on heavy industry and our community. And I think folks are starting to say enough is enough. So deceleration is in a sort of pause to regroup moment for a hope for relaunch in January, but we could not sleep on an encouraging movement down in Corpus Christi, down at the other end of the San Antonio River there. The the political vision of city leaders at this climate critical port. In fact, this is the, the majority of U.S. crude oil flows out of the country to points around the world furthering the climate crisis at this point at Corpus Christi. Now that that longstanding practice, the, the vision of, uh, you know, industry for First, is being challenged by a, a group of candidates running as the so-called Sleen Clate candidates. These are uh, uh, members of the community who are bound together by shared values and policy interests, not least of which is defeating the resident, f- uh, a proposed resident-funded desalination project being built almost exclusively for the benefit of industrial users. Now, one of these candidates is the, for give you an example of, of who we're talking about, is a president of the local teachers union. One is a history professor and Sierra Club member. Another is the lo- uh, heading up the local uh, League of Women Voters. And our guest today, Armin Alex, is a climate organizer and activist who has worked in a variety of interesting roles, highlighting the immense challenge and opportunities of this moment. Now, the clean slate race, uh, I should say, is recently highlighted as a uh, vastly undercovered election with an outsized climatic importance. And uh, and that's uh, Vox. I think they they included them in a national kind of roundup of undercovered uh, climate critical elections. But even here down at the state level and at the regional level, uh, I would argue that this effort hasn't gotten nearly enough uh, attention, and uh, and and that's why we're stepping in, kind of, you know, uh, in a, on an off day um, to uh, visit. So, without further delay, here is Alex. Introduce yourself uh, uh, for listeners, and and talk a little bit about how you got into why you got into climate activism, what shape that's taken in your life. Well, thank you so much, Greg, for having me. Um, and and howdy, folks. Thanks thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this is a special episode, a segment. Uh, my name is Armand Alex. I am a proud Black and Tejano native of Corpus Christi. My family has lived in this region for uh, a little more than 40 years or so. Um, and so we take a lot of pride in, in, our, in our space here as a, as a family in the way that we interact with our environment and the community that we've been building here. Um, I was born and raised in Corpus Christi, Texas. I moved to Houston uh, in the fifth grade and I moved back to Corpus uh, at the end of uh, 10th grade. And I graduated here out of Corpus Christi, uh, 4-H Moody High School. And then I attended A&M Corpus Christi for science communications, political science. Um, originally going for marine biology because I wanted to be a marine biologist. And yeah. after doing some research in water quality and, and I did some je- jellyfish research, I was like, I can't stay in a lab. 
I love talking to people. And I knew that because at that time, this transition from high school to university, I was also volunteering at the Texas State Aquarium. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that's that's one of the the first realizations that I had that um, this space is meant for me to to connect people with our environment. And most importantly, the species that live in our waters and our marine ecosystems. Um, But, you know, truthfully, I think that my love for the environment started when I was really young. There's a story that I love talking about my father because he's one of the, the, the many men that I look up to in my life. Um, you know, when I was younger, my mom and my dad, my dad had split. So he had lived up in Dallas. But, you know, being raised by a single mother here down in Corpus, he would uh, continue to visit every now and then. So whenever he would come down, we'd go down to the Corpus Christi Beach. And I was, had to have been at the age of like eight or nine. Um, we would walk down the beaches and the shorelines of Corpus Christi, even the downtown uh, and the Bay Area. And we would collect seashells, honestly, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. regular seashells. Now, the, the interesting part, though, is my father, uh, he's an interesting character, definitely old soul. Uh, he's all older than me, of course. But he had this uh, interest in seashells that had a story to tell, he would say. The ones that were battered, beaten, maybe had some barnacles, uh, maybe had some holes in it. He just thought that they had such history that there was there there was um that there was meaning in in in, in the way that they looked and i at that time you know me being so little i loved the shiny ones yeah. i loved the ones that looked practically brand new and um and i say this because my father before he passed away in my senior year of high school he said to me you know do you remember whenever we'd go down to the beaches and i go yeah of course of course and uh, when, uh, and I go, um, why do you bring it up? He goes, well, you know, I think that was something that I adm- I, I admire about you so much, is that mm-hmm. I remember you specifically going out of your way to find the seashells that I liked because we mm-hmm. would be at the beach longer. You were going out of your way to ignore all of the shiny the shiny seashells that look like they're from the from the store, mm-hmm. and you would collect the seashells that I liked. And so he goes, I love how compassionate you are for others and the fact that you put others needs before your own. And I hope that's something that you never lose. Let that be the core of everything that you do. Um, and so I, I think that ties me to our environment, uh, to our community here in Corpus Christi. But most importantly, that's one of the reasons why I decided to run for office. I started to realize that putting people before our own needs was not the priorities of people in office currently. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, through all of my education, through all of my experiences and advocacy and, and talking about climate change and how that interrupts our ecosystems and how we need to put our uh, our ego down and put our ego up. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I decided to run for office, because there's also this environmental justice layer on top of it all here in Corpus Christi. We all know now that the environmental movement is intersectional. It impacts just about every factor, sector of our livelihoods. Um, and Corpus Christi is going through right now when we need, uh, you know, um, uh, climate heroes and champions to really push in a new generation of proven leadership that's going to put our people first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're going to get into it. We're going to talk a little bit about what makes Corpus Christi uh, so interesting, right? As an observer from, you know, San Antonio and from farther away, like Vox, Vox.com, right? They uh, listed Corpus and and the and the uh, the clean slate uh, effort down there as one of one of the races to watch for for climate. You know, folks who who are, who are aware of the dangers uh, and accelerating uh, dangers of our uh, destabilized climate system um, are watching you, right? They're watching this campaign. Uh, they understand uh, the the um, uh, 
the importance right of what's happening there uh and we're going to get into that a little bit uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh the the clean slate but I, I wonder for your for your own organizing work um before you decided for you ca cast your lot in on, on this you know you were a an organizer with texas campaign for the environment i believe you you serve or have served on you know and capacities like the mayor's environmental task force um earth echo international uh i believe it's called the gulf research institute if you mm -hmm. could kind of maybe describe some of those relationships and just what when you really knew or when you stepped into this as you know your your life right as you that you, we got to say corpus christi is front lines in many ways right you're you're on the beach i think Surfrider foundation um and and others have, po or have pointed out not only is it becoming uh more dangerous or difficult to surf safely um but you have you're right there by rockport which is one of the fastest retreating coast uh, uh in, in terms of sea level rise and subsidence um there and and you're ringed in you're hemmed in by uh, we'll get into this in a minute but you know a lot of um uh petrochemical and and uh lng and, and all the rest so um you're in a, a a remarkable place a beautiful place and 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 a, and a historic um uh, if you could talk maybe kind of uh on on, on that background yeah, let's see where to start. I mean, the reality is our coastline here in South Texas um, is being over-industrialized. Um, and, and, and I'll set that for context. The work that mm -hmm. I've been doing over the past, you know, close to a decade now, um, it, you know, it can be described as you know, advocacy, activism, environmental advocacy. Um, but I consider myself a, a humanitarian at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, someone that values the 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 life that we live and, and make sure that everyone deserves fair and equitable opportunities to pursue uh, happiness, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a part of our democracy. Um, nonetheless, in, in terms of the environmental um, uh, kind of career that I'm seeing here now, it's, you know, currently I'm the co-executive director of the Gulf of Mexico Youth Climate Summit. This was specifically formed uh, with my partner and I um, to make sure that young environmentalists and, and activists in the Gulf region are connected. Because what we've seen here in the Gulf South, including the southern states, Mexico and Cuba, um, mm -hmm. because it's a, it's a broad community around the Gulf of Mexico, mm -hmm. what we're seeing is there's a co coalitions, there's commissions, there's boards, there's alliances, um, all of these big groups, but they're all primarily filled with older white men. It's certainly not with any women certainly not um, with any young people. And we understand the power that young people have to transform not only um, the way that we live, but the systems in place that are holding us down. And so we wanted to make sure that the young people in, in the Gulf of Mexico who are doing substantive work in this regards to making sure that we protect our environment and we stand up for the folks that are being in, impacted by environmental injustices, have a platform to get together so um, that's the work that we do with the Gulf of Mexico Youth Climate Summit. Mm -hmm. And then that is now a premier youth program underneath another organization I work with, which is the Gulf Reach Institute. We primarily focus on serving underserved populations through STEM education. We give them opportunities to, uh, you know, practice environmentalism, practice, you know, good health and good mental health through education, advocacy and policy work. Um, our reach is throughout the Gulf of uh, the Gulf of Mexico as well, and we work with uh, students from the Gulf states, southern states, as well as Mexico and Cuba, 
And as a matter of fact, because of this organization and, and the work that we do, we were able to officially launch um, Youth Advisory Congress. So now we have Congress members that represent every state of, of the U.S. and the Gulf South, awesome. as well as members from Mexico and mm -hmm. Cuba. They now have the platform and a voice to start looking at policy and working with policymakers and experts in the Gulf South to address climate change and environmental injustices. Those are two nonprofits I work for. And I know you mentioned, you know, the work that I do with the city. And I, I, I really want to emphasize this, too, as well. You know, it's one thing to work with nonprofits. I personally believe that one of the ways that we can address both environmental injustices happening and how to protect our environment is through long term policy. Um, so I work closely with uh, governments. I also do consulting with other folks in other cities in their governments. But most importantly, here at home, I've been involved with, um, you know, the city of Corpus Christi's Island Strategic Action Committee. This was specifically looking at North Padre Island as a whole. I was the Mustang Island representative. I made sure that every decision being made when uh, uh, concerning the development plan on the island, we were taking residents' concerns first. Um, and then you also mentioned the mayor's environmental task force. And this is something I, I was I'm really excited about. And, you know, Corpus Christi has been around since 1852. Uh, when you look back at the history, we've seen an exponential growth of industrialization in our area. So topics like the environment and climate change have been oppressed um, since we've been established in 1852. Nowhere in any city text or literature do you see the words climate change. Yeah. Um, and so for us to have an environmental task force for the first time ever was super important. We had some of the best scientists in the area, some of the um, best experts around the environment. And, you know, me being the youngest person in, in many of these spaces on on, on the city level, um, my colleagues, you know, um, man, I take a lot of pride in this, but they were able to elect me as the first ever vice chair mm -hmm. for this mayor's environmental task force. And that meant to me that the work that I've been doing, the work of our team and our community um, was was being paid attention to. And, and so I think those are a little bit of the things that I've been working on here in the in the South Texas region. That's fantastic. I, I look. I really look forward to uh, learning more about your work and those spaces that you've been working in. I, I you know, Corpus is just downriver, right, uh, of, of San Antonio, and uh, folks up here we know it for its beach, but we may not have relationships there. We may not be organizing folks who are fighting, let's say, the coal plant in San Antonio and CPS Energy may not, you know, have uh, relationships and understand you know, what, what y'all are struggling with and, and, and fighting with. And I, and I know it's very similar, like so many communities I have uh, written about and visited and spent time in uh, those mm -hmm. uh, neighborhoods around uh, under the smokestacks and under the flares nuzzled up to the fence line. You know, these are primor primarily black and brown communities, indigenous communities that were redlined into those spaces. Uh, you know, I got my first taste of that in Odessa, which was at one point, uh, the largest wow. inland refinery complex in the country. And uh, it was tremendous you know, right. what people lived and they had there and, and, and probably likewise where you are, um, people would talk about the Odessa syndrome, which uh, was just a chronic kind of low level flu that everybody had. Right. Um, and so I do want to I do want to like what you're doing and, and this vote clean. I want to direct people to, to vote clean dot org uh, and they can see the the four candidates who are up running uh, for office in Corpus. You've got uh, Jim Klein, a history professor at Del Mar College, uh, who's been active with the uh, Coastal Alliance to Protect Our Environment, the local Sierra Club, uh, Dr. Nancy Vera, 
uh, who uh, is listed as the president of the uh, Corpus Christi American Federation of Teachers. So you've got strong union representation there. Sylvia Campos, uh, vice chair of uh, League of Women Voters in Corpus Christi and, and yourself. And there's um, just such a, 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 a it's just a strong slate. And I feel like your message uh, right now um, uh, has got to be really like, sometimes it feels like trying to direct people's attention to climate is so it can be, or at least cast in, in media oftentimes is like so out of step with priorities. Um, but you're right there where you've got, you know, corporate welfare right on, on, on the ballot, essentially, uh, and, and how that industrial like decision-making process is really jeopardizing just, just bread and butter, you know, issues like, like filling potholes, right. As, as you have on the website there. And so I'm wondering if you can speak to, you know, the roots of this effort. Uh, so folks in other communities, you know, most of our uh, large, I would say 30% or so of our visitors are San Antonio folks. We've got a lot of people in Houston and, and, and Austin. And then we have, you know, uh, concerned and active folks in academia and, and organizing work from, you know, around the country, around the world, really, uh, who will benefit from kind of understanding the organizing story here uh, for this campaign, if you could step into that a little bit. Yeah, thanks. I, I You know, I think... I want to preface this with at least saying, you know, if you're tuning out and you don't live in Corpus Christi, this isn't something that you're detached from. What's going on here in Corpus Christi is massive. You know, Corpus Christi has the uh, uh, the number one um, exportation of LNG. We are also the number, uh, the third largest port in the U.S. What happens down here in Corpus affects not only the U.S., but certainly the state of Texas, um, and so these are things and conversations you, you you need to be paying attention to it. You know, if you love our beaches and our bays, all of we're asking you is to pay attention and support the work that we're doing to protect those beaches and those bays. And most importantly, the people that live here. And so if that's something that, you know, you want to make sure that you support, you know, stay in tune with the conversations, follow us along. You can follow the clean slate as well. Um, but in, in regards to the clean slate, you know, so uh, so us as candidates, um, we don't really coordinate with the organization that's behind Clean Slate, but nonetheless, what is important is we do associate ourselves at least with the values that they are pushing, because we can all agree that we all want to lower taxes in our water bills here in Corpus Christi. We all want to end corporate tax breaks, most importantly. We want to make sure that we continue to invest in road repair. And we're not just, you know, every, every, every candidate, it sounds like this year, is talking about updating our infrastructure but my problem is they're just saying update infrastructure and they're not saying how. For the four of us, myself, Dr. Jim Klein, Dr. Nancy Vetta, and Sylvia Campos, the plan for us to make sure that this goes faster in terms of updating infrastructure is to shorten the contracts for which our city uh, pulls in to fix our streets. So for instance, when we go out and identify a street that needs to be fixed, maybe it's about you know 10 miles long or five miles long, whatever it may be, when we set those contracts up, we need to make sure that the timeline is shortened so that instead of these areas that are being, you know, worked on for sometimes three whole years for just five miles of a, of a street aren't going on that long. Because what I've heard and what we've heard as a, as a slate going in our communities, going door to door, part of our grassroots organizing, um, talking to folks on the streets is that their businesses, primarily black and brown businesses, are being impacted by the long construction times. We're talking about the traffic in their area. If there's no traffic because of this construction, they're not getting business. If the traffic is too long and folks don't know where to go, 
they're not getting businesses. So that's just one of them. We want to also make sure that we keep our air and our water clean. We can do so by making sure we can have people on council like this slate, um, the four of us, to stand up against polluters in our area and hold them accountable for the emissions that they're putting out into the air, for the byproducts they're putting into our water. So we want to make sure we keep our air and water clean. Um, for me, at least, this is really important, and I think for the rest of us as well, is to diversify our economy. Right now, Corpus Christi relies mm -hmm. so heavily. The majority of our energy comes from oil and gas, but there's a big part of employment that also comes from the fossil fuel industry here in Corpus Christi. Unfortunately, what we've seen is this over-reliance on it. And what I would like to see, especially to address the issue of young people living leaving our region and the Corpus Christi city, as a whole, um, we, have, we have this problem of young people leaving. The way that one of the ways we can do that is to diversify our economy by enticing better jobs to come into our area. We're talking about clean mm -hmm. jobs. You know, Dr. Nancy, Dr. Jim, and, and Sylvia and I, when we go out to the streets, we hear time and time again uh, my favorite conversations are with refinery workers. Uh, because as we're talking about bringing in renewable energy, the only way to achieve a just transition. Mm -hmm. in a place like Corpus Christi, where it desperately needs a just transition, is to put our workers first. They mm -hmm. have to be at the forefront of these conversations. Because what they tell us is, Armand, if you can guarantee that I can still put food on the table at the end of the, at the, end of the day, that I can take my family on vacation whenever uh, we can, that I can still put my kids through school, and that I can uh, work in a clean and safe environment, um, I would do it. Mm -hmm. They tell us, refinery workers, they're not in this job because they love oil and gas. They're in this job because of the money. You know, the argument maybe five, 10 years ago was there was no money in renewable energy. That is not the case anymore. We look at case study after case study of other cities in a similar situation in terms of industrial build out like Corpus Christi. They're making the just transition. They're enticing clean energy jobs into the area and their people are able to make just transitions. And I think that's something that we can do here in Corpus, and it would be able to, uh, it would be a solution, uh, diversifying our economy would be mm -hmm. such a solution to the young people leaving, the cleaning our air, cleaning our water, mm -hmm. um, just an overall improvement of the health uh, and wealth of our communities. And then the last two, uh, we need to make sure that we're funding our parks and our li uh, libraries, most importantly. We, this is a topic of education. This is an intersectional thing with our parks and our libraries, making sure that they're funded, that people have access um, this is also a, a wealth disparity issue in terms of people making sure they have the, the access to free information, but also to enjoy our parks and making sure that our parks are suitable for um, people with disabilities. And the last one we've talked about, and I think this might be a good segue, is desalination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these are, so let's, let me be clear, these are kind of like the, the issues that bind this slate of candidates, right? You're kind of like Absolutely. running down, right? So these are things that, so in the organizing side of it, it sounds like maybe Texas Campaign for the Environment or others kind of created, uh, maybe called a table together or, but you you all each individually were kind of moving in this direction and this, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was kind of an assistance with with branding and and uh, and, and amplifying and uh, kind of a message or bringing coherence to kind of maybe a platform. Is that- Close to accurate? 
Yeah, well, I think it's important here to to also mention that the TCE, they're doing their own independent expenditures aside from what we're doing. We can right. associate and affiliate with the actual slate because these are values that we prioritize. And us as candidates, um, we just make sure there's no communication between candidates and TCE as a whole yeah. uh, for legal reasons. But most right. importantly, these issues are important to us. And, and I love the fact that you mentioned the organizing style. TCE mm-hmm. is known for the work that they do grassroots organizing, going door to door, talking to people, fundraising, putting environmental issues first. And so for Sylvia and I and Dr. Jim Klein and Dr. Nancy Vetta, we prioritize grassroots organizing. We love going door to door. And man, I'll even say this. I think I'm almost addicted Mm -hmm. (laughs) at this point of of knocking Mm -hmm. on people's doors. I look forward to every morning I wake up to talking to folks that I would Mm -hmm. represent in office if they vote for me. But uh, grassroots organizing, and and for folks that don't know what grassroots means, it's just going down to the roots of the fundamentals, the systems, um, and making sure that we can get uh, a people movement built by going door to door. Yeah, well, I wanted to make sure to capture that because I want to, you know, push along that vision that that for folks who are, you know, you're in your community, you're looking, you know, to do something like this to to create, you know, a movement. I mean, don't shortchange the door to door. Short, don't don't shortchange the grassroots and and look to right. uh, existing organizations and those organizing uh, work and workers that, that 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 understand that world and 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 kind of network in and and I guess that'd be my. My encouragement. I'm not a big door to door. I've just and it. I've done it a couple of times, but it's yeah. That's not where where I'm at. I'm a I'm a I'm a writer. I'm a I'm a journalist. I do this kind of thing. Um, and I you know I, I'm just it's just not where you know how I've done it. But I like watch people that really thrive in that area, and I like I like to tag along and, and not necessarily be like the point person uh, mm-hmm. because it is fascinating. And and uh, for folks like me who are hesitant people that my experience is that people opening up the door having a conversation uh you know they're happy to talk for the most part and um mm-hmm. and i know you i know you you gain a lot through that process but yeah the the desal so this is something so if you if for folks who go to uh the clean slate website or voteclean.org uh, and you're you're checking out kind of like the the issues as they're laid out there and 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 as uh, uh armand you, you were sharing um you may you're not going to see like climate change, climate vote blasted on there, but it's very clear this is a, a values geared that way. And DSAL is tagged. And, and that's where I saw, you know, 95 million in ta- tax breaks for this desalination work, a half a billion dollar, or, or rather tax breaks to to corporate, you know, interest there. Um, half a billion dollar is that desal project. And 80% of the water is going not to the community. So, I mean, it sounds like there's just a huge subsidization uh, right. uh, of 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 industrial and corporate interests in in corpus, and it sounds like that this is pretty um, uh, mainstream, like understood uh, struggle. That this isn't kind of a free. You know, you're not stuck trying to roll a ball uphill. People feel that there is that is that right? Is right. that what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, I think what's really awesome about the power of doing grassroots organizing is that you get to see the momentum and the movement building. You know, one of my favorite public servants since said, we meet a machine with a movement. So for me, that means we meet a systematic corrupt machine with a people movement. And that's what we're doing here. And I think folks are waking Mm -hmm. up to this, uh, to the things going on with this over-reliance on heavy industry and our community. And I think folks are starting to say enough is enough. And in terms of this desalination plant, man, it is 
it is this 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 climax, this the climatic moment right now with this environmental work that we're doing here in Corpus Christi, because this is one of the many issues we're facing. But this desalination plant, unfortunately, is being spearheaded completely by industry. What's unfortunate is that we have people here in city council. And this is why the races are so um, so important. The the candidate, the the campaign races being held for city council are important because people in city council right now are prioritizing these desalination planet. Let's mm-hmm. set aside the environmental negative impacts for right now. Let's just talk about the, ta- the, the, the impact on taxpayers. So when we're looking at these desalination plant, the majority of the water that will be produced from it, fresh water, which by the way, it takes about, you know, give or take eight gallons of, of, of bay water to produce a gallon of fresh water. It's a crazy number, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, when we're looking at desalination, 80%, 80% of the water that is being produced will be going straight to industry. Mm-hmm. And only 20% of that water be used by, by local residents and taxpayers. Um, so if the majority of the water is being used by heavy industry, why is it that the city is using taxpayer money to pay for this? $500 million of our taxes are going straight to this desalination plant that will only go and be used uh, primarily by industry. If Honestly, if they are needing water, they should pay for it. Um, of course, that's, you know, saying that that's not even mentioning the fact that we don't even want them here in our area. But, uh, but they, this is just another example of how industry is overtaking mm-hmm. the policies, uh, sometimes the servants that are supposed to, uh, to serve the general public, they're taking over our area and folks are are waking up to this and we're demanding accountability um and then we can start talking about desalination what it will do to our ecosystem and the health of our community mm-hmm. um one of the environmental justice layers is that the desalination plant just this very morning i went to the hillcrest community the hillcrest community here in corpus christi is a long refinery row um but most importantly this uh is the location of where they want to build a desalination plant this community called the Hillcrest community is made up made up of primarily black folks in Corpus Christi. So this is an environmental injustice. They were redlined into this area. This is something you brought up earlier, Greg, you're absolutely mm-hmm. correct. They were redlined into this area. Historically, black folks live there. The city, the state, when they pushed the new Harbor Bridge, they relocated people. When the port of Corpus Christi mm-hmm. came in, they relocated black folks in that area. And so they're continuing to just poke and poke at this vulnerable community right now. So it's an environmental injustice. The environmental impact, unfortunately, from desalination is the byproduct. And a lot of folks just don't know this. And that's all right, because we need to stick together and educate each other about these issues. This is the only way that we can organize as a community to stand up against this industrialization in our area. But the environmental impacts is this. Desalination, in order to create water, the science is sound. Unfortunately, the impacts are terrible. Eight out of uh, at a eight in 10, excuse me, eight out of every 10 desalination plants around the world fail. And the ones that are successful are used for industry. And the ones that are successful are used miles and miles mm-hmm. offshore, if not in areas nowhere near residency. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, the byproduct of this plant is called brine, mm-hmm. heavily salted concentration of a byproduct. And the only ways that the plant can get rid of them is to either burn the brine, which would result in terribly concentrated toxic gases being released into our air, or to put it off into our bay or the mm-hmm. Gulf of Mexico. 
Mm-hmm. Um, of course, if we don't go with the first option, that leaves us with the second option. Unfortunately, you know, folks go back to, you know, freshman year of biology or, or high school biology when we learned that marine ecosystems are sensitive to pH, turbidity, mm-hmm. they're sensitive to uh, the salt. Um, and so these are these are concerning issues when we talk about relocating heavily concentrated brine in our bay. I mean, because most importantly here, we're not just talking about maybe a gallon a day. We're talking about tons yeah. and tons every day being put into our bay. And the crazy thing, and, and Dr. Jim uh, brings us up uh, uh, a lot, is the fact that there hasn't been a study here in Corpus Christi of what would result of having multiple desalination plants. Because here's the issue, folks. Corpus Christi City, the city of Corpus Christi isn't the only desalination plant that is being looked to be built. The port wants to build one. There's another one that is being permitted that uh, they haven't moved on yet. There's multiple desalination plants that are wanting, wanting to be built in the port or around the Corpus Christi Bay. And so we don't even have a, a, a survey uh, or research in place to see what would be the re- results of multiple desalination plants in, mm-hmm. in our in our area. And the, the energy to power all those, right? Uh, you know, at, a, at this critical time or where we need a transition to to better generation uh, sources. Um, there's yeah, there's so much going on there, and I do hope folks will will check in. I'm, I'm thinking as you know, as, uh, as as your upstream neighbor here in San Antonio, um, you know, we we uh, can do our best locally. We've got you know the San Antonio River Authority up here. We try to you know to to organize and make sure that like in this interplay of freshwater and saline water in the bays. So there's healthy fisheries and, and all the rest, good uh, 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 living ecosystems, right? That's just like, that's the least we can do, right? As, as, as upwater neighbors. Um, but for folks who, who maybe even live farther afield, um, you mentioned earlier in the interview, and I just want to kind of close with this, this thought and this conversation is how uh, folks can demonstrate solidarity to the the work that you and others are doing to the struggles around uh, the build out for uh, a just transition for for all the rest. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the Corpus Christi uh, LNG, and I, I don't know the latest on this, but there's, you know, uh, uh, an effort to uh, boost an existing LNG facility um, by, I believe, two thirds um, uh, a big, you know, massive build out. Other other facilities coming online. Other efforts for L- LNG, you know, down down coast uh, and up. Mm-hmm. Um, how how would you encourage folks to uh, kind of like uh, link arms with with you and, and others in Corpus to uh, to kind of advance uh, uh, a kind of like a shared a shared vision and, and shared um, strength? Well, I'm honestly, Greg. I'm so glad you asked that because. You know, depending on who you ask, they'll tell you that this is the this what they'll recommend is just one specific solution. But in my eyes, the one way that folks that don't live here in Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. but are wanting to help and social support um, and, and leverage our voices down here. There are many ways to do that. And I think this is something important that you mentioned earlier, Greg, you know, you, you don't feel comfortable going door to door, but there are others that really do. And, and so you can either you, you can be on the sidelines with that or, or, or not, but you have your own specialty, Greg, and that may be journalism. And I think it's important to allow folks to practice what is most easiest for them in terms of getting uh, showing support for these issues. So if you like to make phone calls to representatives, 
call the offices here in Corpus Christi, the city of Corpus Christi, call our city council members and say that you live in San Antonio and you let them know that y'all are paying attention to what's going on here. You're paying attention to the environmental injustices happening here in Corpus Christi. Um, and if you don't like to make phone calls, maybe you can do some texting to some neighbors here. You can get plugged into some of the work that we do here in Corpus Christi that way to do text banking for folks during this important time during campaigning right now to just get the vote out. There are plenty of people running for office these days, including the clean slate, uh, myself, Dr. Um, Jim Klein, Dr. Nancy Vera and Sylvia Campos, myself, Armand Alex that are running for a, a clean slate to oppose these terrible, terrible environmental injustices happening to our community. And if none of that is what works best for you, then come on down and joining us for a protest, join us for one of the marches or rallies that we do. And hey, if that's not something that you're, you're able to do as well, there are multiple solutions out here. And, and all that I'm, I'm wanting to emphasize here, folks, is whatever activism you do best, whether it's journalism, whether it's social media campaigns, whether it's attending marches or protests, continue to do that work and emphasize it more and leverage the voices here in Corpus Christi into the work that you're doing. Um, and most importantly, what's happening here in Corpus Christi is happening uh, uh, not only to us, it impacts the rest of our state. So this isn't everyone's issue. We just so happen to be on the front lines and we hope that you are able to join us in this effort to see a better Corpus Christi tomorrow so that we can make sure that we curtail our carbon emissions, that we can lower our tax at, uh, taxes, that we can make sure to end corporate tax breaks and to end this over-industrialization and so that we can start addressing the environmental injustices happening in the, the Gulf South region. Okay. Armin Alex running for uh, District 3 City Council in Corpus Christi, Texas, part of the Clean Slate effort there. How do folks keep track of you, know when a good time is, to, if they want to come down to Corpus uh, they want to go out to South Padre, but they want to stop in and they want to be visible at a at an action uh, at the same time. Um, yeah, what's your what are your details for folks? Right. So, if you would like to stay uh, attached to the story and the work that I'm doing um, and some of my activism, you are more than welcome to me to follow me on my socials. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that fancy stuff, including LinkedIn. My my username is at Armand Alex. And uh, the easiest way to remember my name is my arm is on. And that's exactly how you spell it. Arm on Alex. Uh, but most importantly, if you want to stay in tuned with all of the environmental work happening here in the Corpus Christi region, I'll throw in a few plugs. I'll throw in the Texas campaign for the environment. They're well in tuned with a lot of the environmental work going on in the entirety of the state of Texas. But they also do have a good region here. Uh, good region here, um, reach here in, in Nueces County and uh, the southern state, uh, sorry, the southern part of Texas. And then also, you know, we got voteclean.org. You mm -hmm. can actually stay in tune with the campaigns for the races for city council here. And I'm so glad, Craig, that you brought up earlier in the segment that uh, this is a race to watch in terms of environmental work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we are doing that and uh, we look forward to uh, following along and uh, seeing uh, how folks do mobilize there and um, and all around the world. We're just we're uh, watching, encouraging and uh, look forward to uh, our next conversations.